It's we should be saying if, you, if you're hosting, then it should say somewhere that you can record. I think it's recording. Good. We better be careful what we say. Okay. <laughs> yes, we should. How was your day? I don't know how you do it, you mums. It's a lot of. It's a lot of, a lot of running around, I guess, for everyone. <laughs> exactly. Even though we're at home. Are they all sleeping now? Yeah. No. <laughs> hope so. <laughs> Someone just asked on the group if it's being recorded. I said, I hope so. I don't want people not to come because they think they can just listen to it afterwards. Ah, it's back to Sarah Kalman. I'm just reading what you wrote. I'm just going to take my colours out the uh, out the oven. Excuse me. Well, or can I? Has anyone else come? We're with 16 now. No, not bad. Mm. What time is it? It's only oh, two minutes to go. Yeah. Nice I have some messages. Hello. Very quiet. Yeah. Mm. 
Tom has their um, uh, microphone muted. That might be why. Hi, Judith. Good to see you. Very nice to see you. So exciting. Hi, Lucinda. Lorena, Sira, hi, Racheli, Rachel. What's happened? Hi, Bracha. Hi, Dalia. Have got all your first names? Hi, Abigail. Hi, Freezy. Shall we start? Sure, I'm on time. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm just going to mute you all, so it's a bit less, a bit more quiet in the background. So let's see that. Yes. Hi. Thank you all for joining the first in a series of Zoom from Yatlaeng. Tonight, Judith will be giving um, a talk about how to listen. Um, so kids will listen. Um, I think most of you know who Judith is, but for the ones who don't, she's an educational consultant who has a lot of years of experience in teaching fields and she specializes in children's behavior and how we as adults can influence that or help them. Judith tonight will give an introduction talk for about five to 10 minutes, I believe. And after she finishes the talk, there will be a room to ask questions. Um, we think the best thing to do is to keep uh, the talk uh, muted, except for Judith. So there will be the least amount of background noise. If you have any um, questions after the talk or during the talk, feel free to send them to me or to everyone through the chat option that's at the bottom of your screen. And it, in my case, it opens at the right side. Um, you can message me personally or do it in the group chat and I will make sure all the questions come to Judith. Um, I think that's about it. Um, let's unmute Judith.
Dave or Judith. Thank you. Thanks very much, Sarah. That was a lovely introduction. Well done. Um, welcome, everybody. Um, the title of this session, this half hour session, is How to Listen So Kids Will Talk. And yes, it is a play on that very famous book by um, Faber and Maslisch, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen. And the concept is not only about how we should listen in order that they talk, but also that we should be open and develop the relationship so that children will talk to us. Now, I'm not going to say the platitudes about how hard and we all in the same boat, and I'm not saying all that, but we're talking about now. We're talking about now, but I, I hope and I imagine that um, the skills we're going to learn and the concepts will actually bear you in good stead with your children um, forever. Um, however little your baby is, even if they're five months old, then they feel, they feel from you. And actually, um, the experts separate in terms of emotional awareness and understand what's going on, particularly now. The psychologists separate. We're only dealing now with 0 to 11. And they split up the ages between 0 and 3, 3 and 5, and 5 and 11 in the following way. A child between 0 and 3 will pick up tensions, will pick up from you um, whether you're anxious, whether you're cross, however you are, they pick it up in the way you hold them, in the way you feed them, in the way they hear and they recognize the inflections of the voice. We know now that a baby recognizes the mother's voice from within the womb and they've got used to those sounds. And you, know, you often see a two-year-old looking at you very hard to see in your face because they can see that you're upset. So how can we, in these times that are difficult for everybody, control that? Because it's going to have an influence. A child between the age of three and five will hear things that are going on and will be hearing words that he doesn't understand. But that, together with a possible anxiety, and there are anxieties, um, we've got everybody around us all the time, our husbands are not at work. Parnassa might be an issue. Relationships might have been difficult before this even started. And so it might have exacerbated everything. So children between the ages of three and five will feel it and will hear it and will understand something limited. And the extra things about the th between the three and five-year-olds is when they go out, they notice. They see the masks. They see the gloves, they see the cues, they see the policeman in the park. How do we deal with this? They notice things that are different. And then a primary school child from five to 11 will have an emerging awareness of what's going on. If you take those two big elements from the little ones to the medium ones, but added to that, they will understand more but they won't understand more. There are certain things they just won't understand. And are they going to ask you? That's what this is about. 
you want them to ask you and how do you answer? How, do you have to tell them everything? So I want to start off after this little introduction um, with a story. Um, and the story is that um, a woman had a, a, a little girl of four years old and she used to sleep really, really well. And it came to the summer and the child started having night terrors, waking up in the night, sitting up, screaming. And the mother would go in and by then either she's awake and she's forgotten and she, she was crying. She couldn't say what was the matter until one night the mother went rushing in earlier and she heard the child say, close the window, close the window, you're letting in the draft. The draft. In the winter, her mother had come into the bedroom and said, we must close the window because we mustn't let in the draft. A child doesn't know what a draft is. And she had blown up in her mind a misunderstanding. This was a, a devil or an animal or something coming in. And that's what we've got to bear in mind, that they're hearing corona, virus, COVID, um, isolation, social distancing. We didn't know what that was until six weeks ago. They don't really understand. So how can we prepare our homes so that at different ages, children will talk to you? No, they can hear you. Hello? So the most important, um, the fundamental characteristic is the characteristic of trust. Children need to know that they can trust you. How does this show itself in their interactions with you? Well, number one, no question is a stupid question. So neither you nor an older sibling or a well-meaning husband is going to laugh at a question because that then clamp down the communications straight away. Secondly, when they speak to you and you can see an it's important question, then don't poo-poo it. Don't shoo it away. Now, it could be at that moment, the baby's crying or you've got to answer the phone and things are happening. So all you need to say to the child is, that's a really important question and I'm going to answer it at, at bedtime, at supper time, at five o'clock, whatever is convenient for you. And then the child builds up trust that mummy takes me seriously. Another way of building up trust is never repeating their questions even though they might be cute and sweet without getting their permission. You know, sometimes children will use the word and use it all wrongly, like cavineronus or, or something like that. And it, and it really sounds funny. But if you make a joke of it, or you talk about it at the Shabbos table, or you pick up your phone to your mother and say, you'll never guess, he won't ask you again. So those are three just initial ways of making sure there is trust. You're taking them seriously. And when you do have that conversation with them, your body language shows that you're taking them seriously. So you're making eye contact. 
you're if possible down at their level or you're bringing them up to your level so they can see that their question is really important and in answering their question make it age appropriate you know or you can find out how much children understand don't give them too many details if they don't need them they just need their question answered so that's by way of introduction um i'm going to carry on sarah if i may until we get some questions popping up is that okay that's amazing don't have any yet so okay fine okay so what i want to look at um in the rest of the session is looking at what you can do and what you shouldn't do to make sure the children feel emotionally safe and therefore able to ask you what they want or know that you will tell them. And then moving on to what children can actually do for themselves to release the emotion, to release the tension. So let's start off about what you can do. And I want to um, begin that by going out. When you go out, I, I, I think it looks horrible. I'm scared with all these masks. I, I can't get used to it. And people queuing up like wartime. It's, um, um, my grand grandchildren went to the park yesterday, Golders Hill, and there was a policeman driving around and telling people off. It was very scary. Now, age appropriately, uh, little ones won't really notice that much. But three to five-year-olds do role play. Get some masks or make some masks and wear them and let them wear them. Because what they see when they go out is what's behind the mask. They can't understand that people are coming up already. So let them have experience of masks, of gloves, let them wear the gloves, make funny things out of the, out of, out of the, uh, out of the gloves. Um, policemen, talk about why they're there. Uh, talk about social distancing in the way that they, um, the way they can understand. And that the policeman is there to help us. The policeman isn't there to tell us off even though they might be, I know they overdo their, their role sometimes. But the policeman is there to protect us, to make sure we're keeping a distance, etc., etc. So role play is really helpful. And of course, washing hands. Um, make it fun. They will hear the stress. Have you washed your hands? You've got to wash your hands before you touch anything. They're going to get very scared. It's when we go home, we wash our hands. And if they haven't, they can't do anything but try and say it as a positive and a loving way as possible. We need to wash our hands because we, make, we must make sure we, they're clean. Don't say get rid of the bugs and then they'll say, have I got bugs and are they on my hand? Just think about what we're saying and think about the way you're, you're expressing it to them. Just um, regarding cute questions, and repeating those from kid, uh, kids or cute expressions, to what age um, does it apply to that you can't repeat them? Well, I have to tell you that children are often, they either really don't mind or they're mortified. And you could be mortified at 12 
-hmm. You can be mortified at 15 that you made a mistake. So I don't think there's any age limit as to when you're going to repeat it or not. But there is one thing you can do is ask them. Do you mind if I tell Bobby what you said? And if they say no, you're not going to say it. Okay? I hope that answers your question. Um, another thing that we should be doing is staying in the here and now. Talk about the way things are now. Not what's going to happen, what could happen, what may happen. When are we going back to school? Will it be next week? Oh, it's not next week. Just take it day by day. I mean, this mechanism is a mechanism that works for everything, particularly if you're going through something difficult. Day by day, each day at a time. Each day is a different day. Stay positive. I would say with children, restrict the news. They don't need to hear everything. Um, they don't need to know everything. What they need to know is there's no school at the moment. The government is protecting us from um, people getting ill and people getting sick. And therefore, we're not going to school. And this is what we're doing right now. If they want more explanation, they will ask you. But I would say less information is better with young children. What's really, you would have heard this over and over again, but I can't reiterate it too much. It comes up again in mental health. What really helps the children is a routine. You now, we now have a new routine. It's not um, school routine. It's not Shabbos and Yom Tov routine. It's not holiday routine. It's quarantine routine. But whatever it is, there needs to be a routine. Now, interestingly, children respond different, differently and need different types of routines. So just to give you a bit of an idea, if you have a child who's always saying to you, what are we doing next? When are we going out? How long is it till supper time? And needs to know the detail, they need a detailed timetable. And you could do it with pictures and stickers. I've seen examples of, of really lovely ones and color-coded, etc. If you haven't got a lot of time, I really understand. But something, something I saw that somebody had done is um, that they put on the door, two o'clock, arts and crafts. And yeah, the kids were so happy with that. They just knew that this was happening then. So a child who asks for detail needs detail. A child who doesn't ask for detail is quite happy, go lucky and relax, but they still need a routine. They need a routine for two reasons. First of all, to give them a sense of security and predictability. Don't forget they've lost that. School was full of bells ringing and assembly and lessons and break and lunch, etc. And that gives them a sense of security. They don't have that anymore. So I don't expect you to have bells ringing and timetables, but some kind of sense of before you, before you come down to breakfast, you've made your bed, brush your teeth, bed mode, whatever. And the other reason why it's important is it gives them a sense of this is what I have to do. If you're too relaxed and they're still in pajamas at 11.30, you might be okay with it, 
but I'm not sure how productive that's going to be for the children. If you want them to be productive, and I know now they've got um, school, whatever that school is, whether it's Zoom or whether it's, um, or whether it's telephone conferencing or workbooks to do, they do have stuff to do. A couple of people have told me that when the children get up in the morning, they put on the uniform. They actually like putting on the uniform. Well, some who like it, like it. Some who don't, don't go there. But it gives them, again, a sense of, I'm going to work. And then at lunchtime, they change into, into their regular, not school clothes. So those are various things that you can do. But bear in mind, not only different ages, but different children have different responses. And those responses can show themselves in different ways. And yes, you know that they're probably crying more, arguing more, not sleeping in their beds because their routine is upside down. But I want you now to take that information and take it into a realm of how you're going to deal with it. So it's not, oh, I know it's very hard for you all the time, but go back to bed because that's not helpful. It now needs to be that I understand that's what it is, so maybe we'll do something differently. Maybe they can come into your bedroom for a little while, or maybe you're going to put a mattress on your, on your floor. You might like or not like this, and that's absolutely fine. If they've suddenly started wetting themselves and beforehand they were clean and dry. So it's not, oh, before you were clean and dry, why are you doing this? It's recognition of what's happening and realizing okay this is going to take time but then realizing that my child needs more reassurance and something's really bothering them you can have temper tantrums you never had them before terrible sibling rivalry you never had it before fits of un unexplicable crying and you never had it before all those are symptoms of children showing their emotion, but showing it in a way they can't say it necessarily. But we as adults need to be able to understand my child is telling me something. Now, just one final word on children. Who are the most adaptable children? Who are the children that are flying with this? That That's they're something. really okay. Can I ask something? Can you type it, please? Um, the children who are flying with this are the children who feel safe and secure and loved. That's it. No special other formula. When they feel safe, which we're going to do by predictability and routine and explaining things, when they feel secure, we're not flying off the handle not all the time and, and we're managing this and loved more love than usual more kisses more hugs more stories maybe more treats they will adapt much better but one thing i haven't mentioned just to finalize about what you can do and shouldn't do you've got to look after yourself you can't do any of this if you feel a schmatter. Now, you might be feeling a schmatter anyway. You've got 
little kids and you haven't had a break and nobody's going back to school and mentally it's too much. I understand that. I really do understand that. Find something that's good for you. Whether it's disappearing for 10 minutes after lunch or 15 minutes or longer if you can. Or it's um, going for a walk without the children. Or having a croissant at 11 o'clock. Whatever it is, do something for yourself. Because you're actually not doing it for you. You're doing it so that you can cope. Now I can see a whole load of questions have come yeah, in. So I do want to um, I first of all, privately, um, it's uh, for the age of three, should we use the word coronavirus or should we talk about uh, a bug or just like something that makes people ill? How would you like? It's, um, I, I think you'll get different opinions on this, but I am always in favor of using the right word. Um, and I know very much in schools, particularly in literacy, that's what they do now. They use some very sophisticated words. Uh, but they can get it. Call it what it is. Why not? Okay, great. Um, and how would you do that with toddlers? Because you also would, how would you deal with them in this situation when their behavior changes a lot? And So you are understanding that their behavior has changed because they're not going to GAN and they're not seeing the grandma and they're not going out, etc. So I don't think it's so much talking about it. It's more responding in a way that's going to give them that love security and feeling of being understood okay great um what would you do um if you have a child that all of a sudden is starting to have accidents and you're not exactly sure what is specifically bothering them how would you approach them in communication because it's usually quite a they're a bit it's ashamed and they feel uncomfortable and absolutely absolutely um first of all it's showing them with your voice and your body language you're not annoyed and even saying to them, oh, I think it's because everything's changing around here. And not using it to blame, but using it to understand. Well, I understand you're feeling a bit out of sorts today. And then, depending on the age and whether you can, maybe put them back in pull-ups for a little while and then start it all over again. But then simultaneously, try and listen so that they will talk. Try and put in place some of the things that I've said in order to create this space. But don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a rush. Um, unfortunately, they can kind of regress for quite a few things. Okay. I mean, it can take quite a while, but just be patient if you can. Okay, great. Um, I guess this goes for a lot of moms. Um, they have to do a lot of homeschooling. And... Children, especially the younger ones, they're very vocal about not wanting to do school, but just wanting to play. How would you approach that you can still like, that you still get them to actually do their learning so they don't fall behind? Like, how would you approach them, especially around the age of five, six? Okay, um, I actually feel very strongly about it. <laughs> um, coming from a teacher, I'm a teacher. Um, I'm not running a school right now. Um, and so you do have to maybe ask the head teacher or the teacher, of your child's school exactly what they feel about it but I'm going to say very clearly what I feel about it first of all you're not homeschooling you're not homeschooling you are supporting the work that school is setting you're just extending a little bit what you do with homework so, so that's number one you are not responsible 
for how much learning they're going to do. That's number one. Number two, the most important thing right now and until they go back to school is to reduce anxiety, to make them feel secure, and to help them to understand that learning is important. Now, I know the stuff, from, I know how hard teachers and head teachers have been working, I'm surrounded by them. And they say they've been working harder than they've ever, and I really understand that. And we appreciate so much all the work that they're doing. But particularly with young children, you cannot replace a teacher. So I know apparently in year one, they're supposed to do measuring now. How can you do measuring without a teacher? You've got another two kids under your five-year-old and you can't show them where to hold the ruler or where to hold the measuring stick or whatever. I think the most important thing actually is to keep up the literacy. So make sure they do some reading practice, have a conversation with them, make sure they do comprehension by talking about the story that you've read, see if they can do some writing or some handwriting practice if they're very young, some numeracy, but make it home numeracy. Measuring and weighing, bake a cake, um, measure around the garden or count the numbers of the houses or if they're a bit more sophisticated, maybe use the time to reinforce what they're learning already or maybe what they, they weren't very sure on. And Kodesh, you know, saying to Hillim is reading practice. You're not saying to Hillim for reading practice, but it is reading practice. Focus the learning, the Kodesh learning around the Sedra, the Hashkofa and the translation, whatever it is. Make it right for you. So you have to get this balance between never undermining what the school is sending. It's always important. And even if you're doing it yesterday, you're, doing, you're going to try it today. But also make sure you're supplementing that in a way that's comfortable for you and them. Okay, great. Um, especially this goes, I guess, for the very little children a bit and the much older ones. What to do with if they refuse to get dressed because they don't need to go out anyhow? So what's the point of getting dressed and just point out refusing to start the day by putting their clothes on? How would you deal with that? Okay, so if that's something they're making a fuss about, they could be making a fuss about it for a reason. They could be making a fuss about it because they're upset generally. And this is the thing that they're going to make a fuss about. They could be making a fuss about it because they're getting lots of attention when they don't. And you keep on talking to him about it and you keep on telling them about it. So it's kind of a very good way of getting them around your little finger because you're busy with everybody else. So now you're going to be busy with me. Um, and another reason is actually maybe they're right. They're not going out. And they want to be relaxed and hang around in pajamas. Okay, fine. But when we go out, you've got to get dressed. Don't make it an issue. Take it out of the routine and let them be. You know, we have an expression in RP Dalco, and that expression is go with the child and the child will go with you. Go against the child and the child will go against you. Um, how do you know if um, when you have an issue around the house that it's because of the coronavirus and staying at home or because it's something you recently have introduced into the routine or changed the routine. So how so can what's you the question? So 
how can you know if something you have recently introduced is causing the uh -huh. issue in the child rather than the change of routine by the quarantine and staying at home? Uh, you're right. We don't have to attribute everything to Corona. It could just be the child's going through a phase. I think it's a bit of um, trial and error in your thinking and in your behavior and not to overreact. You know, if they suddenly started doing something funny, and oh my goodness, he's going through a big emotional trauma about Corona, not necessarily. Um, so maybe work on that one and maybe work on something. Maybe he's going through a phase it could be a few things, and that's absolutely right. I'm glad you mentioned that. It might not be. How do you know? You've just got to find out for yourself. Just go with it. Um, what to do with a toddler who all of a sudden doesn't want to leave the house anymore? She's about 25 months. Is it because she doesn't feel safe? Or is, what would you contribute to A child of 20 months. 25. 25 months. So just over two. The only reason they would start feeling an anxiety is because they've picked up an anxiety um, they, they might have heard things but it's more they hear the tone and they hear the um, stress or they might have heard the raised voice or they might well have heard just once you saying to your husband you mustn't go out and that's it you said it and it's kind of lodged in their brain and you don't even remember saying it. And actually you were saying you mustn't go out because it's gonna rain. So you didn't even realize. So it's tracing back, but don't force. Try and find out why they don't want to go out. Okay, so we won't go today, but we're gonna to go tomorrow just down the road and then build up bit by bit. Okay. Um, how would you deal with um, schedules when dealing with kids of different ages? For instance, uh, little ones and four and under? So, I think a child under four, well, let's deal with the fact that you've got lots of different kids and lots of different ages. Um, they should have their own schedule. They really should. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some commonality, like breakfast time and lunch time and supper time, or when we go out. Um, but children, they need to know, because once they're about, I think, seven and above, so beginning of key stage two and above, they should, have the, they should know when they have to be on Zoom, and they should know when the Rebbe is going to call and they should be able to organize themselves. And if they can't tell the time yet, maybe this is a good time. Or um, maybe you could buy them a little alarm clock or set your alarm or they can set an alarm. With very young children, do it with pictures. Um, and so the sun represents the morning and maybe a lunch table represents the afternoon and a bed represents the evening and they can actually see the visual is very important and it you know what it also stops them nagging when are we and what are we and how are we go look at your schedule it really really helps okay amazing great um the school um do a lot of conference calling and someone's son's getting really nervous when the boys talk and how should i like prompt him to still participate in the call um sit at the side and observe and don't react so if you see that he's sitting very quietly and nobody else is joining in then just leave it for now until before the next time and then maybe when he gets up in the morning 
say, maybe he could prepare a question. Maybe he feels nervous because all the boys are all shouting and, and he's a bit, a bit more shy. Um, but don't criticize him for not joining you. And you know, some people are very happy being bystanders. They're fine. They're learning, they're listening. Not everybody has to contribute in order to be a participant. Okay, that's great. Uh, for my daughter, when she has a course, she loves to see everyone, but she, the course for a five-year-old in about 30 minutes in my school, but she doesn't have to focus for 30 minutes. So I, I let her have like some crayons and a coloring sheet so that when she can't focus anymore, she's not disturbing. Do you think that's okay? Or would that's you very good just idea. end the call? No, 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 that's a very good idea. No, you know, the attention span of a child, the average, the average attention span for a child is their age plus two minutes. So the average attention span for a four-year-old is six minutes. Some, for some it'll be less, and for some it'll be more. But not more than eight minutes, and not less than, well, sometimes less than four minutes, it depends. And so if you know your child and they can just get distracted a bit and then come back, that's absolutely brilliant. Okay, great. Um, another question for Soma. My son always complains when we walk for like longer than 10 minutes. He's five years old. Uh, when he was two, he had a hairline fracture in his leg. Do I push him to walk more? Um, because I'm not sure if his leg might be weak or if he's just being lazy. Um, he doesn't complain about pain, but... It, and also heal properly at the time, what will you do? I think uh, maybe you can't do this right now, but I think the first thing is to check it out medically. Um, it might not be with a doctor, it could be with a physio um, who can see there might be some, although he might have had a hairline fracture, maybe he didn't use some of his muscles for a while, so it might be just muscular, but it does hurt. Muscular pain is very painful. So I think it's finding out that first, and I'm really loath to say any more until you've checked it out medically. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you. Um, how would you, regarding scheduling um, schedules at home for different ages, how can we give them all their own schedule when they're all very dependent on the parents, like for and under, and you have to do it alone as a wife because the husband, thank God, is still busy with his job? And how, what are tools that you would use? So I think that if you've got three children of four and under, for example, or five and under, and it's only you managing it, make one schedule. Make a, a kind of a, a, a flexible schedule or a schedule so that other children can fit into it um, and don't be too rigid and you go beyond it. Don't expect too much of yourself. You know, at the end of the day, you've got your job plus another five jobs, right? The most important thing is for you to be mummy and wife and just doing those things as well as you can. Everything else is extra. Okay, great. Uh, would a visual schedule also work for two-year-olds or they're still too young? Mm -hmm. It might work for you but not for the child. Okay, great. Uh, one second, question coming through. Um, uh, someone just wanted to update about toddlers getting dressed because they missed the question. They really would like to hear again how you would handle it. So you can listen to the recording. You can send uh, the recording. Um, great. Um, anyone else has a question or anything they would like to know or hear about? Um, 
if not, I have a question. My five-year-old is loves questions and she does never ever takes a global answer. She always then goes on to the next question and the next and the next. Now concerning COVID, it's quite hard because you say, okay, there's a, a buck around and most people stay healthy because she will immediately all the rest think she gets ill. But because we don't want to get other people sick, we have to wash our hands and make sure we keep distance when we go outside. But how can we, when this is like, um, when they go back to school, how can we get them out of that mindset that they have to um, keep um, distance for a long time or that they like can see their friends again? I think my daughter might be like, but I can't because you told me not to. How would you like uh, let them make the switch to go back to normal? Okay, so I think as I said earlier, let's deal with what we have now. Um, what will it be like when we go back to school? Actually, nobody knows. Um, and it's quite likely there might be some distancing, there might still be some masks, they might only have half the class, we just don't know. But about children asking questions generally, um, children ask questions for two reasons. Either they want to know the answer, or they want your attention. Okay. And when it often starts off with the former, and then they notice that you're answering and you're answering and you're answering and giving them all the attention. When it goes into the letter, say, right, honey, one more question. Because otherwise they're using it negatively rather than positively. Okay. okay? Yes. Uh, can, I, can I draw to a conclusion now? I'm not sure. I know we've gone over time. Um, how much time are we going on for? Uh, do you know? So I scheduled it in for an hour if you want to. So there will Okay, be that's fine. That's fine. So do you want to do more questions? Yeah, we've got another question. Um, someone who's juggling just like me a newborn baby how do we deal with um children not feeling rejected when you have to spend quite a lot of time with the baby and they want your attention okay so i've got a short answer to that and a longer answer the short answer is do an anti course definitely that will help you um but the longer answer is um just remember that when a newborn baby comes into a family, everybody's pushed out of place. And all they're trying to do is to get back to that place that they feel that you love them. So it's about sometimes investing time before the baby wakes up in order that they feel that you've given them time before you feed the baby, um, or having a stack of books next to the place where you're going to do the feeding so they know that they can get their books but it's coming actually from the child from a good place. It's coming from a place that I was first in mummy's arms mm. and I want to get back there. That's all they're saying to you. And if you can find ways of giving that back to the children, that's what they're looking for. Okay, great, thanks. Uh, from what age is it appropriate to do role playing with masks and things like that? Um, I think from, a, let me think, just trying to think about my grandchildren, I can think of it. maybe two and a half, three. It depends on the maturity of the child. Um, don't forget, we're doing this role play in order that when they go out, they're not going, or we're going to reduce the amount of how they feel scared. Um, so if they're not going to notice it very much, don't do it. 
But if you think they are, then it really is. But if they find it scary at home, don't increase the scariness, but trying to reduce it. Okay, great. Um, how do we, um, how long during the day can we ask our husbands uh, who are now a lot at home to help out with the kids without making him feel overloaded? I think this is a very um, individual question. I think, you know, there are some husbands who will sit and play with the kids for an hour and say, what can I do next? Um, and it's the same with women as well. There's some people who, I don't want to be so sexist here, and there are some people who sit with the kids for five minutes and I've had enough. Um, I think it's about um, husbands and wives sitting down, discussing it, talking about needs, talking about the wife's needs, and also the husband's needs. Um, that may be timing, that maybe he knows he's got to be available for emails at a certain time or phone calls. And it's about a negotiation that you come to that might be a compromise, but you both feel happy with a compromise. Okay, great. Um, now there's a question about that a 22 month old has a fear of lawnmowers and she keeps bringing it up at night before bedtime and during the day. I'm trying to tell her that the lemur has gone home to sleep, is in the shed, etc. But how can I help her to get over fear? She also has the same fear for hoovers and hair dryers. Yeah. Yes, it's the noise. Um, it's very much the noise and the machine. Now look at it in their eyes. First of all, the noise is really very loud. And it's a machine. It's, some, it's an inanimate object that's making a noise. Don't forget, they're surrounded by chairs and tables and cookers and whatever that don't make noises. So this is new to them. Some children, it just flies over their head. But some children, maybe those with a, a more of a vivid imagination they, or more sensitive, they find it scarier. Now, again, it's not about don't worry, it's only the hoover or don't be silly, it's a lawnmower. It's about... I understand that's a really loud noise. And going with them, maybe they can come and sit on your knee at that time because they don't like it. But simultaneously, it's about letting them feel familiar with it. So touching the hoover, holding the hoover, even going near a lawnmower, but don't force them. They will come to it. But the number one thing is understand them. Don't push it away. Okay. Um, and how would you deal with um, next to homeschooling stuff, having a lot of kids at home also causes bickering. How would you deal with fighting siblings? Are they fighting because of the work or they're fighting over their games or they're just fighting a bit well? Kids, kids just bicker. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, so it's more about why they're bickering um, and what they're bickering about. Some children argue and fight with their siblings because they genuinely feel that they don't have a place and they don't, nobody looks at me positively. So I'm going to push you out the way so that I can arrive. That's why some children bicker. Other children bicker because they are genuinely frustrated, maybe just at the time. Maybe you've got somebody who's really trying to listen to what her teacher's saying and there's somebody making a noise over there. So that's going to start a fight. Or maybe there's a game that they both want to play at the same time. So it's more try and find out the reason why they're arguing. 
And when you found out the reason that they're arguing, you can solve the problem of um, dealing with it. Okay, great. Um, anybody else has any questions or things they want to know? Or everybody has some idea how to deal with this new, new? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so here we've got one. Should we push an 11 year old to listen to Shirin? Um, I don't believe in any pushing children to do anything. Um, I believe in maybe if I want them to listen to a Shia, then encouraging them or talking about how interesting it is and listening to five minutes. I'm not sure whether you mean the Shirin from school or extra Shirin. Um, I think an 11 year old and extra Shirin is a bit over the top. Unless he's really keen, doesn't sound like he's keen if you think you've got to push it. So it's really not about, I, I don't like the expression, pushing children to something, or I can't get my child to. Of course you can't get your child to, because he's a human being with wants and needs and likes and dislikes, and there's a limit, actually, to how much you can get him to do. Okay, um, I'd like to draw this to a close by talking about what the child can do for himself in order to alleviate his own anxiety. Now, again, age appropriately, you might need to, at least the first time, show a little child what to do. At under three, you'll have to do it for them. But these are different areas and ideas that you can explore. First of all, um, music. Now, I know we're in Sphera, and we're in the time that everybody's not listening to music. But if you think that music is really going to help your child emotionally now, they need that escape, ask a shyler. There's also a cappella, there's also things singing, their own singing. Because music uses a different part of the brain, both listening to music and being musical. And when a different part of the brain is active then the rest of the brain calms down. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to almost distract the child so that they're not getting so anxious. Um, dance. Um, probably girls, but could be boys. You know, dancing to a rhythm, dancing to you singing. Are they sleeping properly? I know this is a big problem with families, you know, well, there's no school tomorrow, so why do I have to go to bed now? Um, I would deal with that. I would make a schedule. It may be, yes, you can go 15, half an hour later, but you must go to bed because you've probably felt now the accumulative process of not going to bed on time. They're ratty, they're bad-tempered, and all these things that you say they can't do could be because they're not sleeping properly, they're not eating properly. Healthy eating. They can prepare the food, do some baking, make a salad, up to, you know, there's Julia MasterChef as well as MasterChef, Julia Bake Off as well. And you see kids doing the most amazing thing physical exercise. Now, it's great. I've seen lots of kids on bikes, really, more than ever, ever before, which is lovely. And make sure that once a day they're doing something, even if it's just bouncing a ball, maybe on the trampoline, skipping, anything. They need that physical exercise. We know it releases 
um, a, a hormone that helps our emotional well-being. Um, friends, this is particularly older children, primary school children and higher primary school children. They could be really missing their friends, even though they haven't told you. So if you, well, if you do use Zoom, you do use Zoom. If you want, don't mind your children using Zoom, allow them. But it should be for a fixed amount of time, not going on and on forever. One friend, three friends. I think the whole class is a bit much. But certainly let them have that opportunity to interact with their friends without you. You're not listening in. You're not over here. You don't do that in the playground. So don't do it now. So if they have an argument, it's not for you to mediate. Let them keep those skills, those interpersonal skills that they need. Nature. If they've never done it before, you know, find them a book of birds, a book of trees, a book of flowers, and go out and find them. It's so gorgeous out there. The, the good weather will come back eventually. Um, as much as we've talked about using technology, too much technology can also affect you emotionally. Set a limit. Now, don't make the mistake of, you had enough of a computer now, right, it's going off. It's more about when you get up in the morning, besides schoolwork, you can have half an hour on the computer. Be proactive not reactive and then they've got a fixed amount of time but not too much rediscover board games let them do buy a new painting set um let them do clay anything creative and using their hands you know there's a connection with doing tactile activities that also releases this serotonin in the brain warm baths bubble baths not just a quick shower. Um, laughing, jokes, being silly, dressing up. Have a whole list of things on your fridge that they can do when they're not doing. And then it's not, well, what should we do next, mummy? Oh, I don't know, I've got to go and make supper. Choose something for the list. And what's a really good idea is to take away some of your games take away some of the toys and then bring them back next week and all of a sudden they're new so you need this element of surprise there isn't much surprise when we're at home all the time and um, we're seeing the same people all the time and we know it's not going to change so these are things that they can do for themselves water play you know the, the two three-year-olds put them against a sink with a plastic cover and, and let them be busy with older children, let them play outside, buy some water pistols. Um, let them do things with water, sand, um, pets. You might not think this is the time to buy a bunny rabbit, but for some children, that actually can be the make and break. And let me tell you why, and then I'm going to finish with one final thing. When children have to look after an animal, it takes them out of themselves. They're caring, they're thinking about somebody or something else. And that's very, very healthy. 
because the last thing I'm going to suggest is what the children can do for themselves, not the very little ones, but certainly from five and upwards, is care for somebody else. Volunteer for something. So the little ones, it can be um, that they call up or you call up with them an aunt who's on their own every other day. And maybe you call them on Monday and they prepare something on Tuesday in order to show their auntie on Wednesday. It's about them looking outwards and not looking inwards. Okay. I hope that's helpful. I don't know if we've got any more questions just to finish off. Um, for Zoom sessions, is it okay for a child just not to join? Are you talking about, I mean like if you're playing a game all together? Well, let's say, yes, it's absolutely fine. As I said, some children are happy to be bystanders. I remember once I was leading a project um, and I was working together with somebody who was in the background. And I remember I said to her once, you know, I feel a bit bad that I'm out at front and you're in the background. She said, Judith, she said, in the school play, I was always backstage. And she's happy backstage. She's happy to be there. So it's fine if you don't join in. I mean, the not alarm bell, but a slight red flag um, needs to start appearing in your vision. If children are doing something repeatedly that they didn't do before. So say, for example, joining in a game, maybe they were never very good at joining in a game. So don't read too much into it. But if they always did, and now they haven't done for three weeks, then mm, maybe this needs thinking about. Maybe talk to somebody about it. There are lots of professionals in our community or very experienced mothers and teachers, etc., to whom you can talk about. I'm not saying you should make it into an emotional health problem, but be aware if there's a habit, a negative habit that they keep on doing that is stopping, that's almost becoming compulsive, then that's the root of that is some kind of extreme concern or maybe trauma, etc., etc. Okay, great. Thank you so, so much for the talk. It was really it's amazing. It's very helpful. I hope it was helpful, everybody. It was lovely to see you, the people I recognize and the names that I recognize. Um, and hope to see you again soon. And thank you, Yadla Aim, for organizing it. Thank you so much. Be well. Bye. 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 Bye.